You're listening to a message from Grace Church of North Brunswick, where people are empowered, impacted, and enriched through the good news of the gospel. To learn more about Grace Church, visit our website at gracechurchnv.com. And now we hope that you enjoy this message. Some of you are here today and you think that God has forgotten you. You're going through stuff and you don't know why. You feel like some things will never change. It is impossible for you to achieve your dreams. Impossible for your situation to turn around. Impossible for you to start that ministry that you know God has called you to. That your healing is out of reach. Your finances will always be this way. That your marriage is going to break. That there's no hope for your children. That you are stuck in a career that you don't like. I'm here to tell you that that's not true. (laughs) I just changed what I'm going to say. I'm here to tell you that's not true. It's true. Favor is true. Grace always, everybody say always, Always. wins. I like to win. How many of you like to win? Amen. Well, you should have all been rooting for LeBron James. Sorry. (laughs) Luke chapter 8, verse 40. It says, when Jesus returned. Where did he return, Pastor Joe? He returned from the Gadarenes, the, the place where he had gone in the boat across the lake. And he went into this place, and there was a a man who was full of demons. And Jesus cast out the demons into a herd of pigs. The herd of pigs went over the cliff, went down the hill, and the guy who owned the pigs was broke. And all the people got together and said, we want you to leave. (laughs) Yeah, healing's great, but money's more important. That's a teaching for another day. Um, So then Jesus returned to Capernaum. It was a place he loved to hang out. It was kind of like his place. So he returned. How many of you know when Jesus returns, it's a good thing? I got news for you. Jesus is here. You just need to return now. Then it was the physical Jesus returning. Now he's here. He inhabits our praise. So you know from that praise, he's definitely here. But just to second it, where two or more are gathered, how many people are here? It says he is in the midst. Jesus is here. Hallelujah. Let's go home. Cheeseburgers, Jesus is here, we're done. And look, the multitude welcomed him. You know, a lot of people want to see God doing a lot of things here. They want to see more miracles. There's miracles happening here, but they want to see more, and I'm in agreement with them a thousand percent. But I'm going to tell you what will bring it. It's not one person asking for it. It's not even two people. It's a community, a congregation of people believing it together. In Acts, it said great favor was on them all because they were all believing for the same thing. In one accord. That's why when we have the altar call, and I say, if you want to leave, that's fine, you can leave. You do it quietly, you do it respectfully. But if you want to stay here and encourage your brothers and sisters that you don't know what they're going through, maybe somebody, maybe the doctor just said you got a tumor, or maybe the husband just said I'm leaving you, or maybe one of the kids is lost and doing drugs, you don't know what's going on in somebody's life. So during that time, you worship, you believe, you pray, you do what you got to do. Amen. Welcoming him. And you know what another way to welcome him is? By being here when the praise and worship starts. You don't see me stepping in halfway through. And I'm not, listen, I'm not putting guilt on you. I love you. But I want to see you get a miracle. I want to see all of us get more miracles. When we take every aspect of what we do here to the point of it's Jesus. We're going to see a lot more healings. We're going to see a lot more financial blessings. We're going to see a lot more. It's my job to encourage you. It's my job to poke you. And I'm not talking about a Facebook poke. Stop poking me on Facebook. It doesn't bother me. 
I have a whole line of people that poke me. I go, I don't feel nothing. So that ain't a poke. This is a poke. When the worship starts, be in here, be excited, be expected, be ready. Let's go. Amen. And behold, game on. And behold, there came a man named Jairus. See, now, we've been preaching about grace over the last few weeks, and in some instances, the writer of the gospel, the Holy Spirit, doesn't mention the name of the person because the focus isn't on them, per se. But when the person is named, like last week, Zacchaeus, and this week, Jairus, and your name is Pastor Jonas, and you're Alicia-is, and you're Christinus. <laughs> but when the name is mentioned, it's there. So first of all, let's find out what the name means. Amen? Does everybody here know what their name means? Go find out. And if your name is Satan, get it changed. Because there's some people, if they were like, oh, no, Lucifer, I would change my name, just saying. Jairus means to become enlightened by God. Yeah, Iris, to become enlightened by God. Today, you are going to be Jairus. You are going to be enlightened by God's word today. Say, I am Jairus, just for today. <laughs> You're going to be enlightened. And he was a ruler of the synagogue. And it says he fell down at Jesus' feet. He fell down. I like the fact when Pastor Kevin said, if you need something from God to come up to the altar, because that is an act of humility. That is an act of, I need something. And I love the way this church responds. I really do. Because you will become enlightened. You will become blessed. You will, God will show you his favor when you are humble enough to take off your religious clothes for a second, see there's some leaders, pastors, everybody that need to get on their knees every once in a while and put down the church face and put down the church actions and throw yourself before God. He did it. He didn't even know God, we do. But how quick are we to fall at the feet of Jesus? It says in the word, in Proverbs 3, and then James and Peter both spoke it again. God doesn't make any mistakes. Just like he named him, his name is Jairus, this is not a mistake. This is to emphasize something, and that's this. He has no use for conceited people. And what is conceited? It means your faith is in yourself. Your faith is in yourself. Your faith is what you're doing. And it's so easy for us to slip into it. Let's everybody, how many times? Come on, we slip into it. But he shows favor to who? I said he shows favor to who? Are you humble enough to say what I asked you to say? He shows favor to? <laughs> it's really, it's a check in yourself. Like, how humble are you? Are you really here to hear from God? Because if you come here with your head up and that you know it all, guess what you're getting? Nothing. I said, guess what you're getting? I said, guess what you're getting? Nothing. He opposes that. I said, he opposes that. But he shows favor to those who are humble. Man, it does show you submission to authority is like key. I guess that's why Jesus said to the centurion who submitted to Jesus, he said, that's the greatest act of faith. Wow. That's a whole nother teaching. I'll let somebody else do that. Uh, so it says, he had his only daughter about 12 years of age, and she was dying. His only daughter. And there was a young lady who my wife and I were ministering to recently. And we were telling her, you know, like, you know, she has these circumstances. They're not the worst, but they're bad enough. 
Nobody wants to go through what she's going through. And uh, she, she wants to meet someone. She wants to get married. Is that a good thing? You better raise your hands right now. You just got married. But, um, and, you know, there's someone she likes, and they're a Christian, which is always a good thing. And, but she doesn't know, like, is the guy, is he, is he attached, and this and that. And my wife and I are like, well, why don't you just ask? She's like, no, I can't, I can't ask, I can't ask. So I said, why don't you just say, what church do you go to? And then he could say, okay, I go to this church. And then you, you say, well, does your family like it? And he, he says, yeah. And she said, well, what if he just says, yeah? Then I said, okay, say, does your wife really like it? <laughs> Either way. And, and if he says no and he's not married, then invite him to Grace Church. We'll get you married to him. Come on. Because you know you bring him here, we're all going to be like, hey, how you doing? Why aren't you? And then if he's here for three weeks, why aren't you married? I mean, there's a lot of pressure up in here. You know who it's from? Me. <laughs> just get married. Let's just do this thing. You know why? And this is what I said to her. After my wife ministered to her for like two hours, I came in the last five minutes. I love that. You know what I'm saying? Like, Alicia does all the heavy lifting. I just come in and say, God loves you. See ya. <laughs> Alicia's like, man, she's, she's like that one-on-one. How many, come on. You, you, and, you know, I'm just like, be healed. Get out of my way. Who's next? You know what I mean? Like, she spent the time. Why are you shaking your head so like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> You're right. It's true. We're different kinds of people. That's why she prays over somebody for like an hour. But it's nothing like Pastor Terrence. He prays over somebody for three, four hours, man. And uh, he's getting more, he's getting more information from God. He's amazing, that guy. He'll never watch this. The Emerge group is at the beach, so I can say whatever I want. Hey! I love it. Some people like they pray, you know. The ladies here, like Vera, Brenda, Sandy, my wife. Susan, whoever, uh, Cecile, they were all like, they're praying with people, they're crying with people. It's like a half hour. I'm like, this person's going to faint if you don't move over and pray for them. So I always come and I'm like, yes, God loves you. Hey, wait, 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 here, wait. <laughs> but praise God, just different people. But I, here's what I said to this young lady. I said, you only have one life. Only have one life. And this guy only had one daughter. And you only have one marriage. Better. And you <laughs> only have one family, one set of kids, one ministry, one career, one hope, one dream, one future. It's important. The only thing is important to you. And it's important to him. It is important to him. And then here's what it said. It said that one thing was dying. The one thing was dying. How many of you have something in your life, a dream or a hope that you feel like it's dying? Come on. Like, I'm never going to meet that person. I'm never going to lead that ministry. I'm never going to get out of this financial situation. My marriage is never going to be healed. I'm never going to get out of this state of depression. My body is never going to be healed. I'm never going to be fulfilled. All these things. There's things in our lives that are dying. And it says that as Jesus went, see, Jairus said, he fell at his feet and said, come to my house. Come with me to heal my daughter. And it said that the multitudes thronged him. Not thonged him, but thronged him. Okay? Thronged him. Which means, <laughs> why are you laughing? i just making it. The multitudes thronged him. Now that word thronged 
is used four other times in the New Testament, and it's for the word choked. Like the world chokes the word. The world chokes the anointing. That people and cares and different things choke. So here's Jairus. Falls at, worships at Jesus' feet. Does the right thing. Says, please come to my house. It says Jesus went with him. But the multitudes choked Jesus. And I will tell you, there will be times where things will choke Jesus in your life. People that say things, people that do things will try to choke what he wants to do for you. Amen? So here's what happens. So Jesus is going with Jairus. He's, he's surrounded. He's already choked a little bit by all these people. Jairus is probably like, come on. My daughter is unto death. In other words, she's dying. In other words, it's, it's a matter of time. It's quickness. Need to get you here. She's going to die. So they're going. There's already a crowd of people. Mm. Already a crowd of people. So Jesus starts to go with them. The crowd, choke, everything. All of a sudden, a woman with an issue of blood grabs at his tallit, and he stops. Really, Jesus? You're stopping now? My daughter is dying. What are you doing, God? And what happens? He stops. There's a delay. Look at verses 49 and 50 of Luke chapter 8. He got interrupted. How many of you feel like sometimes things are interrupted in your life? It happened to me yesterday. Saturday, I usually want just, I want my time. I want to think about the word. I just want to relax. You know, and then we had to minister to someone. That's fine. You know, it's just life. But there are interruptions in life. And especially if you're in ministry, you'll have a lot of interruptions. And trust me, nobody had more interruptions than Jesus. So there's an interruption. It's like, really, Jairus is like, come on. And there's an interruption. And the woman touches the hem of his garment. As you know, she gets healed. But then if you, you read in the different Gospels, then she starts giving her testimony. It's like, Lord Jesus. It's like when I pray with my wife in the morning. Like this morning, I made the mistake of, I, I learned now, like, I pray first. So I can cover five subjects so she doesn't have to cover a hundred. But this morning, she was like, come outside. So I made a mistake. I listened to her. I came outside. We sat down. And I said, okay, we're going to pray. Started praying first. And after she got through with every country on earth and every individual person in the congregation, I was just like, Lord, I love you. Amen. I got to go. But so this woman interrupts, and then the woman starts giving the testimony, and Jesus is waiting, and he stays to hear the woman's testimony. And so then Jesus has to tell a great job, your faith has made you well. Well, why he is speaking that, someone. <laughs> There's always a someone, isn't there? Isn't there always a someone? That when Jesus is talking, they want to interrupt. There's always someone and we have some people in our lives that when we're going through something and we're waiting on Jesus we need not talk to amen just say amen just say amen because there's always going to be someone to talk you out of what you believe and what God has said he will do in your life there's always someone to talk you out of it And here's what that someone will say. That only thing is dead. The daughter is dead. The dream is dead. The hope for the future is dead. And look, it was the people closest to Jairus. They were the ones from his house that came to say, don't bother God anymore. Don't bother God. 
Do you actually think that God is Jim Carrey and Bruce Almighty, that he has to answer emails or something? People will literally say to me, God's got other more important things. I go, whoa, there is nothing more important to God than you and what you're going through. If he cares about a bird that falls to the ground, he cares about you. He cares about your finances. He cares about your marriage. He cares about your ministry. He cares about what you're believing for. So don't tell me that God is busy. He's God. He's everywhere. He doesn't need an email account. He doesn't check voicemails. When you talk to him, he hears you. Right now, he hears me, and I hear him, and I better be in line with what he wants to be said. Or, ooh. <laughs> ooh. <laughs> Don't trouble the teacher. But Jesus had an answer for that, ladies and gentlemen. He heard it. He hears. You know what Satan is? He's the liar and the father of lies, right? You know that movie, Despicable Me? I never saw it. Okay? I know that there's like little oval things walking around. Minions. All right? So Satan has minions. I don't care if they're good or bad in the movie. I'm saying they're bad. Satan has minions, little baby liars that go around lying. He is a chatterbox of gossip. That's why gossip is so harmful, people. When you say something negative and it gets back to the person, it, it'll hurt their heart. Listen, how many of you know that if you say, you could say one wrong thing, it'll steal the life out of somebody? You know, maybe you're a songwriter, you know, and you play your song for somebody and they're like, eh, eh. People do that. Listen, what you should say is, it's not my taste, but I'm sure there's a million people that would love it. You know what I'm saying? Or, you know, when Pastor Joe preaches, just say it was a great message, even if it wasn't. She does it all the time. I'm like, how was the message? She was like, great. I'm going, if it wasn't good, would you still say that? But it's not about my message or my performance. It's about his anointing. But if you say something negative to someone, you could just, oh, you could just rip the heart. You could rip the life. You could kill something. Do you know people's dreams and visions have been killed by a word? Did I say, must I repeat that? People's dreams and visions and hope have been killed by a word. You got young, beautiful women who look in the mirror and think they're ugly because of what one person said. And how many times do you have to tell them they're beautiful? and wonderful, and special. I, try to I tell my daughters that all the time. I tell my wife that all the time. To the umpteenth time, because I know that there's a negativity out there hitting them at the same time. The devil's got his little minions out, his chatterbox gossip, little minions from Despicable Me out there. But Jesus has an answer to all that because these words will bring fear into your heart. This is what the devil did in the garden. He said, God, you, you can't trust God. You need to be like God because you can't be submitted to him because he's dangerous. He might, they, he put fear into the heart of Adam and Eve and fear will bring the greatest sin. Every sin is the result of fear. Amen. Just like every act that is righteous in God's sight is an act of faith. So fear is the beginning of sin, amen? And this is his answer, and it's one of the most written sayings in the Bible over 80 times, and it's this, do not be afraid. I want you to look at the person next to you. Here's why. I know, I don't say it that much anymore. People are like, don't tell me to look at the person next to you. I don't want to look at the person next to you. Look at the person next to you right now. Because <laughs> God opposes the proud and gives grace to the humble. And if there's nobody next to you, look, look at me. I'm here. And tell that person, do not be afraid. Say it again. Do not be afraid. Say it again. Do not be afraid. Gosh, how important is that, everybody? How quickly can the spirit of fear come on you? I was thinking about it. It's like 
Faith, you know, it's like, okay, let's have faith, let's pray, let's have faith. But fear just comes like that. And sometimes fear is because, you know, you're not scared. Like when I see a possum, I'm scared. I see any creature small in the cat. I'm out of here. I'm not afraid. I know. My wife came in the other day. She goes, I saw this thing, and, and it went under your car. I'm like, I don't want to hear anymore. I don't want to know. What kind of creature can be here, and they go under a car? It's, it's a mutant. It's disgusting. It's little, and it's evil. Fear came into me, and I said, I'm going to be all right. Boy, you can bet when I went out to go in my car, I was like, oh, shoot. Oh, shoot. I opened the door. I went like this. I said, no, I got you a little. It probably left. It was like seven hours later, but but how about fear? You know, you can have fear of heights. You can have fear of all these different things. Fear just comes and it grips, doesn't it? Yeah. You think Jairus wasn't getting a, your daughter's dead? Jesus is talking to this woman. Hello? Fear gripped him. And Jesus knows whatever it is you're going through right now, financially, emotionally, spiritually, whatever it is, that fear can grip you. And his first word to you is, don't be afraid. Because, spirit, uh, because fear is a spirit. Romans 8.15. And before that, we all know 2 Timothy 1, right? God hasn't given us a spirit of fear. So if, if somebody's praying over you and says, I Cast out that spirit of fear. That's a right prayer. Because it's a spirit, something that can grip you. I mean, did you ever have a panic attack? Yes. I mean, I almost. Like when I lost my job for the third time and I had all six kids. Almost. Like I was. I had a panic attack. You did not have a panic attack. You were fine. That's the problem. <laughs> But you see how when, when Jesus was coming and the multitude choked him and, and, and the Satan, will, he'll, he'll choke you till you lose your breath. Did you ever lose your breath? Come on, raise your hand. Some people literally, like, they, like I've had people, friends of mine, even, even you, honey, which was amazing, like lost their, like they're losing their breath. It's stress. It's a fear that's hidden. You don't even know what it is. Suffocating. But listen to me, you didn't receive a spirit of fear from God. You didn't. And it says that now, if you put your faith in Jesus, you don't have a spirit of bondage to fear. But you have the spirit of adoption. So you can call him daddy. And it's interesting. Jesus uh, was walking away, and that woman, she touched him. She got healed. He said to her, daughter, you have been made well. And then he went to the house of Jairus' daughter. He was showing that whether you were unclean or helpless, it didn't matter. That you're a child of God. And you don't have to give in to fear because you are a child of God. There's some song out now about, I'm a child of God. I love it. I just love that line. That's the only part of the song I like. Uh, don't you like that song, It Is Well? Holy maloli. I'm like, oh, I'm not having a panic attack. I'm having a faith attack. Did you ever have a faith attack? It's like, oh, yeah! I believe. And there's nothing that's going to change it. No devil word, no negative word, nothing's going to change what I feel right here. And I feel it now. It's called a faith attack. Oh, God, I love it. I love it, I do. See, the people from the house were telling him something he didn't need to hear right there. Right there. And I'm going to tell you something. At Grace Church, we have ministries for every single person, every age you are, no matter how young you are. That's right. No matter how young you are or how old you are, we got something for everybody. And people will try to talk you out of that. Oh, why would you send your kids to Children's Church? Why would you send them to junior and senior high youth? Why wouldn't you? I mean, come on now. 
There's nothing that teenagers need more than God. I mean, that's... Or how about the Emerge group? You know, this 18, these millennials that they say we're losing from the church. Not here. Not here. Now, they all went to the beach, but they came to the first service, so I'm not mad at them. <laughs> but people try to talk you out. Oh, why would you need couples group? Because you're about to get a divorce. No! No, really. Why would you need to go to adult Sunday school and get more word? Why would you do that? Ain't that cheeseburger? Let's see, I wonder what's better. Why would you be there to worship? Come in in the third song. Because you can't miss it is well with my soul. <laughs> I don't know about you, but I want it all. If I'm going to be his child, I'm going to be in his house. I'm going to take advantage of being in his house. And everything he has for me, I want it. And nobody's going to talk me out of it. You want to talk me into something else that isn't going to help me? I don't want to listen to you. Don't let it choke you. He hasn't given us a spirit of fear. And then what does he say next? In Luke chapter 8, he says this. Only believe. Two of the most important words in the whole Bible. Let's try this together. One, two, three. Only believe. It was his only daughter. It's your only marriage. It's your only career. It's your only ministry. It's your only life. It's your only life. You only get one. So why wouldn't you only believe, only believe, only believe? Yeah. <laughs> only, only, only. What does only mean? Only. Not partially. Stop right there. Not partially. Only. Not when it feels right. Not when it looks better. Only, singularly, without hesitation, with all that you are, only, just like, here comes Jesus, woman, tugs at him, your faith has made you well. What kind of faith was it? It started out here. She said, if only I can touch the hem of his garment. I will be healed. What did she say? If only, you think she was, you think I'm OCD? She was OCD. She was like, listen, I, I'm unclean, whatever. I can't, people, I, only, only, if I only, oh, I'm almost singing. If I only touch the hem of his garment, I will be healed. That's only faith. So when this guy, Jairus, the religious guy, the guy who should know better, the guy who probably sat in the synagogue when they heard about Jesus healing people and was like, yeah, whatever, Jesus, you know, <laughs> what a knucklehead. Yeah, he's drinking wine with those people going to sinners' houses. What a, what a, yeah, until your daughter's about dead. And then it's like, I need you. But his faith was not like her faith. He was freaking out. But she only believed. So Jesus said, look, have the kind of faith you just saw. Only believe. And it's so interesting because that's the kind of faith we thought Jairus went to Jesus with. Look at Matthew chapter 9. Same passage, just a different angle, Matthew's angle. While Jesus spoke these things, a ruler came, worshiped, saying, my daughter has just died. So this is when he, Jesus first meets Jairus. He says this, my daughter is dying, but come and lay your hand on her and what? What? Say that again? Who said that? Yeah, you passed the test. Somebody in the first service said, Jesus. And I was like, wrong. Who 
said that. What did Jairus say? She what? Mark chapter 5, verse 23. My little daughter lies at the point of death, Jesus. Come lay your hands on that she may be healed and she will live. Who said that? So Jairus started out with she will faith. He got rattled. All right, that's all the preaching you're allowed to do today. Amen. That's a good word. Rattled. Rattled. <laughs> Don't be afraid. He got rattled. And I'm totally thrown off because rattled wasn't part of what I was preaching. But it means he got thrown off course. He got shaken. Jairus came with she will only believing faith. And something happened in the translation. And he started to fear, and he started to doubt. Jairus, let Jesus enlighten you today. Hebrews 10, 35. Do not cast away your confidence. What's confidence? This is confidence. Jesus, come to my house, lay hands on her, she'll live. That's confidence. Don't cast that away, no matter what's going on in your life. Don't forget what you believed before. If I had casted away my confidence, we would not be in this building. Grace Church would not have existed. Because if you don't think that I was tested when there was two people coming to church, preaching to two people, that ain't easy. Especially when one goes to the bathroom. I've shared this a thousand times. You can read it in my book. By the way, thanks for buying my book, everybody, and everything. I love it. Thank you. But one person went to the bathroom, and my first thought why I was preaching, because I was trying to make, like, there was a lot of people there. It's like, yeah, hallelujah. Can I get an amen over there? Amen. You and you, give me an amen. One of, this is all true. One of them got up. <laughs> now, there was more people in church, but they were working with the kids. We only had a one-person worship team at that time. The guy played the drums over the back of his head, the keyboards right here, and he sang. He was amazing. He was like a, a carnival person. It was amazing. And uh, they had all the kids, and they said, it was two people, two ladies. I just ran into one of the ladies recently at your wedding that was there. And uh, one of the persons got up, and I'm preaching, and I'm like, can I get an amen? Um, <laughs> you, you, miss, could you give me an amen? <laughs> There's nobody else here. Could you give me an Amen. And all I kept thinking was, what if she gets up? What if she leaves? Who the heck's going to give me an amen then? <laughs> Who am I going to preach to then? Listen, people told me it's not going to work. You don't have the right education. That's not how you start a church. You've got to start in the basement. You've got to sing kumbaya for a couple of years. You can't do it this way. And you know what my God told me? Don't cast away your confidence. What, you, what I told you before, what you believed, will come to pass. And guess what? There'll be a great reward. You know what that word great reward means? It means recompense of pay. You know what that means? Payday. How many of you work for someone else and you get a paycheck? How many of you the day for a paycheck you put on Facebook? I'm dancing because tomorrow's Friday and I get my paycheck. I see it all the time. They love to post those videos. You should be like that every day. But here's literally what it says. Do not cast away your confidence, what you're believing for, your faith, because payday is coming. Oh, this is fun. Let's try this together. Say, payday, payday. is coming. It's coming. Payday is coming. Recompense is coming. In this life and the life to come, if you do not cast away your confidence, believe, only believe. Amen. Verse 51, we're closing up here. When he came into the house, he permitted no one to go in except Peter, James, and John, and the father and the mother of the girl. Now all wept and mourned for her, but he said, do not weep, she's not dead. She's not dead. She's not dead. 
Your marriage isn't dead. Your dream isn't dead. Your ministry isn't dead. Your finances aren't dead. Your body isn't dead. You're not dead. If Jesus says you're not dead, you're not dead. It isn't over when the fat lady sings. It's never over when Jesus is around. He says it's not dead. It's just sleeping. And they ridiculed him, knowing that she was dead. Listen, I'm going to tell you something. People that ridicule God, guess what they know? Nothing. They don't know anything. People, you'll be believing for something and saying something. People will be like, ah, don't worry. They don't know nothing. He knows something. They know nothing. Galatians 6, 7. Don't be deceived, people. You know, as a pastor, I got to remind you, don't be deceived. God will not be mocked. For whatever you sow, you'll reap. You reap the, you sow the word of God, you'll reap everlasting life. You sow things in the flesh, you'll only reap the flesh. That's it. And go on to the rest of Luke chapter 8. Amen. So he put them all outside. I, I don't want to say this, but I'm going to say it anyway. <laughs> There's some things that God tells you to say you don't want to say. We know in Matthew chapter 13 that Jesus went to a town where there was a lot of unbelief. And how many miracles did he do there? None or very few. None. But here he goes to a place where he's welcomed, and he'll do great and amazing things. But what it did, he, <laughs> he said, put the people that don't believe outside. Imagine if we said, listen, want everybody, if you don't believe in miracles, raise your hand, and we'll just say, could you leave for a second? <laughs> could you just wait out in the lobby, get a cup of coffee? Let me ask you a question. Would you be in here or out there? Just a thought. He put them all outside, and he said, little girl, arise. And then her spirit returns. I, that word returned is like when Jesus turned around to the woman who tugged on him. In the same way, it's the same word that her spirit, the little girl's spirit was leaving, and it turned around at the sound of his voice. Because Jesus said, my words are spirit and they are life. Now, everything that is alive has a spirit that gives it life. Whether it be fear, doubt, any of these things, there's a spirit that gives that life. In the same way, healing, blessing, belief, Dreams coming alive, there's a spirit behind that. Many people here today, like, people, like, they get married, they love each other. Oh, God, they love each other on that wedding day, you know? Remember how much you love that? Come on, Richie, when she was walking down in white, you were like, what did I do to deserve this? Or Elliot, you were saying in Spanish. Like, like, I don't... Uh, yeah, yeah. Oh, he cried. I cried. I cried. Guess who's the first one to cry at your wedding? Me! I'm crying before the groom's crying. I'm like, oh, my God. I don't know. Elliot was first. I think Elliot was first. What do I, gotta do? What do, I do to deserve this, Pastor Joe? I don't know. <laughs> like... So a, a marriage like that, how many of you had a great wedding? Praise God. You're not even married. Okay. <laughs> you had a great wedding. And then a couple years down the road, it's like, uh, it's, it feels like the marriage is dying. Well, what happened? The spirit is starting to leave your marriage. But in one word, you can call it back. In one word, in one action. Do you know... Like yesterday, like when I bought you flowers, we never hear about that. You know what? I was out at the farmer's market. Uh, I like to check out different things now, now that I'm a cook, you know. I'm at a farmer's market. 
and I saw the flowers over there. Like, well, I probably should get flowers for my wife. It's like, nah. It's just, uh, let me let me let me check out the seafood. And the flowers were just smelling like you should get flowers for the flowers were literally talking to me. The little leaves were going like this. You better buy flowers now because you. <laughs> no, and but that's not what got me to do it. A, a spirit started to come back to me, and I started to think about that's my wife, man. Like we said, I do together. You know? Like we share our life together. Every once in a while she makes me a sandwich. And it was like, occasionally she's glad to see me. No, but that's my wife, you know? And it's like, is the spirit alive or is it not? And I literally, I was like, in Jesus' name, that's my wife. That's my beautiful, precious wife. And I'm going to do this not for me. I'm going to do it for her because it'll bring some life back into my marriage. So I got the flowers. It was only $12.99, guys. <laughs> Farmer's Market on Route 1, baby. The $5.99 one wouldn't have cut it. I was looking for some for $8.99, nothing. Then I looked at the roses, $30, but she hates roses. Hallelujah. So then I went to the guy and I said, do you have tulips? And he goes, they're out of season. I was like, oh, too bad. Give me the $12.99. I took it home. And she was out ministering to somebody by the pool. <laughs> I took the flowers, I put them on the table, and I went about my business. Like doing my business in the kitchen there and started getting a little fidgety. Like I'm doing stuff over here. Like, flowers, flowers. See flowers? <laughs> Finally, I went, do you see the flowers over there that I got you? Hey. And she went, oh, honey, thank you. And I've been good ever since, man. I'm telling you, because it's spiritual. There's something spiritual about giving a woman flowers. It makes no sense, ladies. <laughs> makes no sense to me, ladies. I don't get it. They die in a day. Why waste our money? Let's pool it together and buy stocks or something or houses. What flowers? It's gone. There's something spiritual about it. They like it because they know. See, they're so much more spiritual than we are. I'm sorry, guys. That's why they like gold. Because in heaven, the streets are made of gold. They like gold. <laughs> But it's something spiritual to them. It means you cared. It means you were thinking of me. It means you went out of your way and spent money that's wasted on me. Amen? Next time, can I just give you money? Is that? No. See? I said, either flowers or I'll give you 50. She'd be like, flowers. If I go 100, we might have something different. You know, 50. But it's the spirit of it. Do you see the spirit of it? It's the spirit of it. In the same way Jesus spoke his word and the spirit returned into that little girl and what was dead became alive. The word, the action, the spirit of it. That's why if you don't think good about yourself, come up here for prayer and we'll tell you how great you are. Because you are great. Isaiah 52, I'm finishing. Hearken diligently to me. You know what, right now, I never say this, but if you could just, for a moment, just, if you gotta close your eyes, if that's a way to not be distracted, just do it. <laughs> I, I don't usually say in church, hey, you know, close your eyes, you know, <laughs> about to get a big surprise. No, just close your eyes for a second. So I could just speak this to you from God's word. He's literally speaking to you. And here's what he says to you. Hearken diligently to me. That means listen to me, intentively, with all focus. And eat what is good. We can listen to the enemy or listen to what is good. Let your soul delight itself in the fatness, which means the profuseness of spiritual joy. Let your soul. Let. The only thing keeping you
from enjoying God's goodness is you. So let your soul delight itself in spiritual joy. God says to you, incline your ear. Submit and consent to the divine will. Do you realize that God doesn't want you to submit to him so he can bark out orders to you? He wants you to submit to him so he can share his divine will to you. And it says this, if you hear that, here's what God says to you. Hear that. And revive your soul. Your soul revives by hearing his good word. And here's what he says. I love you. The second you believed and came to me, the second you came and got on your knees and humbled yourself before me, I started working in your favor. Whether it was a year ago, two years ago, 10 years, it doesn't matter. When you got on your knees and submitted yourself to me, I started working in your favor, and I will show you my favor. And though it seems delayed, I haven't stopped moving towards your house. And in this time, in this in-between time, don't let anybody talk you out of what we agreed upon. We agreed upon that thing that you believe for, because I gave you that thing in your heart. I gave you that desire. So no matter what is said, and no matter who comes against you, no matter what the circumstances are, know this. Payday is coming. A delay is not a denial. It's just a delay. But it's coming soon. What you're to do right now is not to fear anymore, but only believe. And at the right time, through my word, I will call out, and that thing that seems to be dying, it will be revived by my spirit. Because where Jesus goes, there's no funerals, only resurrections. Hallelujah. You can stay with your eyes closed, your head bowed. I want to make sure that everybody here knows Jesus as their Lord and Savior. If you died tonight, would you spend eternity in heaven? If you're not 100% sure about that answer, then you should say this prayer. Believe and receive Jesus in your heart to forever be changed. So say this, say, Father, I know that Jesus is your son. I know he died on the cross for my sin. Three days later, you raised him from the dead that I could have a new life. Holy Spirit, come into my heart. Change me today. By the power of God. Amen. Everybody's eyes are closed, head bowed. If you said that prayer for the first time to receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior, raise your hand right now. Raise your hand. Amen. Is there anybody else? Okay. For those of you that raise your hand, please stand up where you are. Stand up.